Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Let's Go Steal a Podcast. Today, I have a new co-host with me, Alyssa Day, right? Woo! Yay! Yes! <laughs> I, I was like, as I was saying it, I thought, oh, crap, that's her name, right? That's her name. <laughs> that's definitely her name. <laughs> Alyssa, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, became part of the Leverage fandom? Hey, Christina. Thank you for inviting me. So I'm a huge nerd and absolutely love um, Leverage. Watched it forever and in fact just recently re-watched all the seasons buying them on Amazon because it's so much fun and I'm also currently writing a heist book so you know it's just it's just awesome and I miss them and every year I wish they would come back. I know. Um, so I'm an author. I write paranormal romance and mystery, and I'm also working on a dystopian young adult novel right now. So pretty busy. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just got back from a conference and just getting ready to go to a reader event. So my entire office looks like a tornado blew through it. But <laughs> I thought this would be a fun little break from 18,000 pounds of work. Yes. Well, thank you for squeezing us in. That's that's really awesome. And I'm, I'm totally going to ask you more about your heist book <laughs> as, we, as we go through this. So today we're talking about the three days of the hunter job. Uh, so a little summary of the episode. Feeling at odds with her identity, Sophie takes the reins on a case involving a sleazy journalist. who is a very, very thin... Uh, very, a very thin facade over this Nancy Grace impersonation here. Yes. Uh, it aired on August 12th, 2009. It was directed by Mark Roskin, who's directed several episodes before this one. And it was written by Melissa Glenn and Jessica Brassel. Uh, at the time, though, she was Jessica Reader. So it's Glenn and Reader, uh, who are a writing duo who's, who've written a bunch of episodes. And then there's our, you know, our normal executive producers john rogers and everybody else chris downey and dean devlin this story opens with monica hunter who is played by beth broderick aka if you are of my generation aunt zelda from sabrina the teenage witch oh my gosh is that where she's from i knew yes. i recognized her from something i know every time I, this episode goes on i'm like aunt zelda why are you being so bad Oh, but she's a wonderful actress. It was so funny watching her disintegrate as this episode went on. She's brilliant at that. It was and wonderful. Yeah, what they like, how they do her hair, and just the the manic look in her eyes that just gradually increases. So good. Um, so Monica Hunter is an investigative journalist, and she's doing doing an expose piece on a school bus driver who is involved in a fatal accident. And she ambushes him and she paints him as mentally ill uh, when later his daughter says he'd been prescribed like anxiety meds for his PTSD after Desert Storm, but he hadn't taken them for decades. So she, you know, concocts reasons to to blame people who aren't guilty of something and kind of ruins their reputation and ruins their lives. And he, in fact, in fact, attempts suicide. But luckily, his daughter finds him. Which is a really, really dark, cold open. It was really dark. It was uh, uncharacteristically dark, I thought, for the tone of the show. But they really did a great job of tying us into this cultural zeitgeist of how much we hate this type of investigative reporter. Because you just know they're running roughshod over the people that they're got their target on. And so immediately, we disliked this reporter. Mm-hmm. And then I think she, doesn't she like end the episode with another, like a hook for the next episode and she winks at the camera? You're yeah, she's very smarmy. Just yeah. really, really, um, really almost a caricature of that. Although Nancy Grace, <laughs> Nancy Grace doesn't need to be caricaturized. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if this is even at this point kind of dialed back from the reality of Nancy Grace. Maybe you know? I used to be a trial lawyer before I was a lawyer, and uh, or before I was a writer. And I'll see Nancy Grace on on the morning news shows sometimes, and I'm just yelling at the TV, going, "That's not right! That's <laughs> not how the law works, Nancy." Oh, see, that's good. That's I have no background in law at all, so I'm just like, "Why are you being such a horrible person?" <laughs> but it's good to she's, know that she's a horrible person who's not good at the law. 
she's or is tweaking it for the ratings you know mm-hmm. she's she's skirting the edge in order to go for the shock value and i just i don't have any respect for that no especially because it throws innocent people under the bus in most in the in most cases yeah it's funny because dan abrams who is a legal commentator for abc good morning america mm-hmm. he'll just sometimes be shaking her head when she talks this is like nancy that's not how it works <laughs> <laughs> oh. i felt like if somebody could have just sat maybe across from monica hunter and said monica that's not how it works but clearly she was doing very well ratings wise so mm-hmm. the station was making her the hero and giving her whatever she wanted oh yeah they're not gonna bring somebody in to give the other side of the story because it's that's not what her viewers want. Although, did you see at the end how happily that other anchor woman threw her under the bus when she was being dragged off? Oh my gosh! <laughs> there yes. was definitely some Schadenfreude there. <laughs> yeah, she was like, "Oh, I get to break this story," and you wonder because you see how she treats you know other people. Like you see, that she like yells at her assistant, and, right? And she's you know she was going to take advantage of Parker's character and take the story from her, like. She obviously does not treat her coworkers with any sort of respect. So this is probably also that, that woman going, yes. Yep, going to <laughs> jail now, bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and everyone thinks you're crazy. Yeah. And I We've get all worked with people it. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very lucky. I don't think I have. Uh, or, well, you were never a trial lawyer, so. That's very true. Yeah. The clients. What's his name? Mr. Pennington. Ray Pennington. Pennington. Yeah, his daughter is the one who comes to Nate and Sophie. And she doesn't want any money. She just wants to get his good name back. Right. Which is not an easy thing to do because a reputation once lost is really hard to regain. Yeah, and you know, Leverage does that a lot. They'll have the clients who will say, I don't want any money. I just want my project back or my patent back or my mm-hmm. good name back and i'm always like no no take the money too <laughs> do a take move the money, you fool. yeah and this one and usually they uh even if the person didn't want money they find a way to give them some money yeah. in the the first episode of, the, of this season it's uh with the the dad who's works at the bank and he notices some funny numbers and, and it, it was for tax fraud. And so he gets, at the end, all they wanted was to do the right thing uh, and, you know, not right, be taken out by the Protestant mob. But he's, right. yeah, he's the whistleblower money. Right. And so it's, you know, it, it works. They, they're like, yes, we're going to get your, do the right thing for you, but also you get this payoff. And it's legal. Don't worry. We didn't get it from anybody bad. Right. I guess but, in this episode, he didn't really need money so much. I mean, presumably he was fired from his job. And so mm-hmm. I'm assuming that when he was exonerated at the end, that meant he would get his job back and back pay or whatever. I mean, you you assume in your mind that everything happy and good and just is happening off screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they would have made sure. Right. Made sure of it. Or he, maybe he got a different job or, you know, it was easier to get a new job. Though he did look to be of retirement age so maybe he was able to retire well but sophie decides that she wants to take the lead on this case and where this is another step in her big story arc of this season where she doesn't really know who she is and she's questioning her job as or her identity as a grifter and she's you know just been dumped so she's really wanting to control the world because she's not been in control now, how far out are we here from when she takes off? Not too far. Because um, I can tell that Gina Bellman was quite noticeably pregnant. Yeah. I don't it's, know. I missed, a couple I episodes missed her down, when though. she was gone. And yeah. As a, as a woman, I totally support her right to take maternity leave. But as a viewer, sometimes <laughs> in shows, I'm like... It just started to get good. You can't leave now. <laughs> I know. You're you're very, very important to have. You're killing me. Although I did like the way they did the interplay with her, um, you know, ca- being called in by everybody on the team for help. Yes. And then just fun. the showing her in different, obviously green screened locales. Right. <laughs> right. With giant coats on or holding packages <laughs> in front of her belly. Yes. The typical. Team. She's sitting. She's sitting in Paris at a bistro and you just see her from the you know boobs right. up. Uh, 
Yeah, we've got three more episodes before uh, Jerry Ryan comes in. They've got so many fun ways. She's wearing all these like loose outfits and she doesn't go do the con. So she doesn't have as much action to do. Right. And I love Nate telling her that she can't take her control issues out on the con. And she just tells him how it just calls him out on how hypocritical that is she's like you did that for a year just blindingly drunk trying to take out any lowlife who walked in front of us absolutely that was definitely a jaw-dropping moment yeah. him saying exactly what he'd been doing it was it was very well written Would yeah you, oh well that's at the end here at the beginning she calls him out on it yep yeah and so he's like, oh, yeah, touche. But yeah, no, at the end, when he does that, I'm like, what is this emotional growth? What? <laughs> well, I did like at the end, in terms of emotional growth, I did like when he said, no, you need to trust me and I'll be there for you the way you were there for me when I was drunk for a year. And I just thought that was a really vulnerable moment from him mm -hmm. when there haven't been many of those. And I thought that was really lovely. Yeah. And he tells her, take as much time as you need. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, and now you can say something nice about me. <laughs> don't ruin the moment. <laughs> like, yeah, don't don't ruin the moment. And I love when Sophie gets the last the last line. It's usually I've noticed either Nate or Sophie gets that last line in the episode, the little zinger. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't analyzed like that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, I kind of want to go back, and I didn't notice this until probably about halfway through the first season. So I want to go back again, <laughs> watch them all again for the umpteenth time. And and then just kind of like, just keep a running tally. Like, oh, that was Nate. And I think like the first five or six are definitely Nate. And then they get to be more Sophie. Which is good because they're usually Sophie putting him in his place or teaching him something or giving him something to think on. Right. So, uh, the, so their plan is to get the network to apologize and retract their statements about Mr. Pennington and to completely disavow Monica Hunter. And and the whole team is a little uncomfortable about Sophie taking the lead. Parker, A, doesn't want to be the grifter because she doesn't right. want to talk to human beings. And uh, Elliot and Hardison are both having flashbacks to the last con that she led, which was the, the finale of season one when they had to blow up their offices and move across the country and kind of split up for six months. And they do poke at her about that a little bit, which mm -hmm. was fun. And they're like, do you remember that? And she's like, I don't, I don't remember that. Do you remember that? And Hardison's like, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, because we're, you know, it, it took uh, Elliot a little while to trust her again, even. Right. So they are, Sophie does the, the whole rigmarole that, Nate usually does, even though Nate was like, can I, I still want to say Hardison run it. <laughs> he, he's not good at giving up control, which right. happens and, several and times. He keeps jumping in and it's funny how the others just look at each other like, <laughs> mommy and daddy are fighting. Exactly. And I love she's, you know, she says, we're going to Washington to make news. Right. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, you, you got to leave now. Like, that's the note you walk out. And she's like, we're going to Washington to make news. <laughs> she walks into the closet something i expected somebody to say but they didn't was shouldn't we be stealing something you know like steal the news or something yeah but they just let that go unsaid but then later she does say um we're gonna go steal a general oh right yeah yeah but she doesn't say it right <laughs> it's like it's a rallying cry <laughs> so good um, then we have Parker in this adorable, like, blast from the past outfit with, like, flipped out hair and, like, a pussy bow on her silk blouse and her little business suit. And she's oh, that was so funny. Do you remember that movie where Angelina Jolie played a blonde bouffant news person like that? No. Uh, it was pretty funny. It's For some reason, I'm thinking of when Sandra Bullock... No, this was definitely Angelina Jolie, and uh, was it, it like it a biopic? No, it was a comedy. Okay. And um, it just gave me a flashback to that movie. <laughs> I wish I could think of what it was. She was like a some sort of newscaster, Life or something like it. Yes. 
She had like a Marilyn Monroe hair and mm -hmm. yeah. Oh my gosh! In a Link weird Harrigan. coincidence, Christine mm -hmm. Kane was in Life or Something Like It. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's only Shalhoub, apparently. Wow, and he's that's crazy. Kind of high up on the the cast list too. Yeah, it was a 2002 movie. Stalker Channing. That's funny. I wonder if him being yeah Edward Burns, Tony Shalhoub. I wonder if him being in that gave him the idea to pitch to for this episode or maybe it was somewhere in the um they said in the commentary that they because they have like a writer's room and they they'll just pitch ideas and then somebody will be will say oh i'll i'll write that and uh albert kim who's one of the other directors and writers he kind of pitched doing a like a tabloid writer and uh -huh. they decided to make it uh, an, a news reporter wow but I love weird coincidences. Right? Like that, Isn't though. that fun? That's great. <laughs> and uh, they pointed out that Parker's character, I don't know if her name, they call her Betsy Wet. She calls her Betsy Wetsy. So that's how I think of her. <laughs> uh, she, her, her outfits kind of mimic Monica's. So they'll have like a color in common. In this first one, they're wearing like a, like a dark red. Uh, and then they're both wearing blue later. Yep, she was sort of like the discount version of Monica. Yes, it was like the young up-and-comer, and yeah, and she's supposed to be stealing Monica's press pass, and she's supposed to get caught, but she's not good at stealing. She's just sitting right. there. I don't get it. caught. <laughs> she's like, I don't get it. Like, what do you mean, be bad at my job? I'm the best at my job. And so she's just like rustling papers and like slams the drawer <laughs> shut, and then she gets caught. And I love. You know, she's having to be walked all the way through this this con. And it's supposed to be, like, she's not doing a good job. But it's just great because she's like, apparently, I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, walk out, like, rush away. You know, you'll have her hooked. So good. She's, she's, I think, my favorite character on the entire show. Hmm. I just love, I love everything about Parker. I love her, you know, her hard-nosed money and you know how tough she is as a thief and how mm -hmm. brilliant she is and how she knows everything but I also love the innocence she has you know believing in Santa Claus and aliens and <laughs> yeah it, it's just it's a lovely contrast it really gives the character depth and mm -hmm. uh Beth of course is an amazing actress so just really love Parker yeah I agree I um I'm always I always feel bad saying this but the first time I watched the first episode I did not like Parker like and I didn't like how Beth played her and I think it's because she plays Parker so well like Parker works completely alone she doesn't know how to people and and you kind of see this gradual growth of her character and she does it so seamlessly that all of a sudden I didn't like her at the beginning and then I was in love with her I was like You're, she's so great she's so funny and off the wall and super talented and competent and exactly because if you have you know as a writer if you have your characters fully formed at the beginning of a story they have nowhere to go mm -hmm. so she had so much emotional growth to do throughout the series and she really did and it was in such a you know a bit by bit slow sometimes two steps forward three steps back sort of progress that it felt realistic it felt real it didn't feel like poof magically she you know fell in love and she's cured mm -hmm. you know no it was oh she's getting to know people oh she's getting to let people in oh she's starting to feel like they're her family oh she's starting to fall in love she doesn't know how to handle any of this and she's navigating her way and that's what that's what gives characters depth that's what makes the reader or in this case the watcher want to keep going and going and going to see mm -hmm. where it goes and, and root for her while she gets there so beautifully played. <laughs> I should be a writer. You should, yes. Have you ever thought about that? You should you should do that. <laughs> well, you know what else I liked in the beginning when we're first meeting um, Monica and analyzing her 
analyzing her in order as a mark in order to run the con mm-hmm. is Sophie and Nate both say, well, Sophie sort of copies Nate, but they say <laughs> she has fame and money. She needs respect. Mm-hmm. And this is the way you start to build a character in a book. Um, and this is what I teach when I teach classes is you ask, what do they want and why do they want it? And then how can you either give it to them or withhold it from them or hurt them with it? Mm-hmm. Because before any of those things can happen, you have to know what they want. And it can't be the superficial thing like fame and money. She already has it. And they mm-hmm. could have thought, oh, she wants more fame, more money. But no, they went deeper and found out what she wants is to be seen as a serious journalist. Yeah. And that was the key to getting inside her head. Yeah. And they uh, they say on the, on the commentary frequently that... The downfall to every mark is, what is it they say? Um, like the thing that they use. So for Monica, she uses fear to get her power. You know, like she she engenders fear in all of her viewers. And so that's what they're going to hit on on her to like make her spiral out of control and to bring her down. And it's really brilliant, isn't it? Because it brings it all back mm-hmm. in a circle and just works so well yeah and she even says like (laughs) it's they always give a an evil speech of evil Uh, that's what the writers call it and uh and she like literally says like you know fear that's what i sell and that's what my you know my viewers want and and that's what i'm gonna give them (laughs) she's so (laughs) but i like that i like that she tried to control everybody with fear and then so it gets her in the end Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Hoisted by her own petard. <laughs> and hard, the conspiracy theory of it all, mm-hmm. Hardison is that crazy conspiracy theorist, was oh hilarious. I was dying the first oh time. Oh my I gosh. Saw him. I, I love a conspiracy theory. I, my, kind of my first big TV show I was obsessed with was The X Files. Oh yeah. So I like, I, I, I eat all of that stuff up. And so when he pops up, when she takes him to see her source, is so good and he maintains that that crossed eyes <laughs> like the entire time she's looking at him uh, and apparently he had that on his his you know his resume his actress is like i can i can cross my eyes oh really that's and they're like is. don't put things like that on your, your resume because they'll make, make you do, you do it, it. Right? <laughs> exactly. and he uh you know hardison always is so extra when he when he's doing a con when he's you know grifting someone and i love it like i there are very few times where i'm like oh dial it back hardison it's too much but this is is one where it's just he has to be just balls to the wall crazy because that's who this character is right and he carried it off really well yeah um so good and that room like how they made that room so quickly with all of the conspiracy theories and the yarn and it just dingy i call that, I call that the serial killer wall yes you know, like in every show some detective some investigator or the serial killer himself has a wall like that and i keep telling my husband i want a serial killer wall and he's like <laughs> okay honey back away from the caffeine <laughs> you're like no but look how helpful it is but it's so cool give yeah. me yarn give and you gotta have thing. to have like you, gotta, you can have like the hidden one where it's the it's the corkboard and you flip it over and Ooh, there's your wall. I should do that. Yeah, what? or it's or you, you like you open up the the vanity and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite murder walls. That's just where I keep the lipstick, honey. <laughs> you don't you don't you, it's, you don't care about the lipstick. Don't worry about it. Don't open that drawer. <laughs> well, it's, have you ever seen? Uh, it was a miniseries, and I know they're having a second one come out. Um, uh, uh, Bletchley Circle. No. So it's about uh, four women who were Bletchley codebreakers um, during World War II um, in Bletchley Park, and the, it's kind of their post-war life. Uh, so most of them have gone back to be housewives, and they're all brilliant at. Uh, numbers and and puzzles and things Uh, and they're also sworn to secrecy about the work that they did during the war and it is it is super good Uh, and the the main character she 
has started noticing uh, there have been murders of young women in the area, and she has started tracking them and where they take place, and she's convinced that it's the work of a serial killer, but the police have not you know, drawn these conclusions yet. So she goes back and she finds her friends, and they like track down this killer. It's it's very good. It's but like she a has, women's murder club. Yes. Oh, um, I like it. You know, and they're all kind of you know pushing against the constraints of the of this post-war time when women had to go back and not do the work that they'd been doing before, and uh, you know we're all expected to go back and be dutiful housewives and moms and and not you know have have jobs and stuff, and. It's really good, but she has, at the beginning, her husband goes off to work and she has taken the newspaper and she like cuts out another thing and she goes to her her vanity and she flips the mirror over and she has a board. Yeah. Oh, I've I've gotta watch that. Yeah, and then they, I think the second season, I saw an ad on Instagram of all places. Uh, They're like going to San Francisco or something. It was very exciting. And, oh, so Monica meets Wade, aka Hardison, the crackpot, and she immediately is like, "Nope, I'm out. This is ridiculous." So she leaves, but she then she sees Elliot, and he's lurking in the hallway in this Men in Black suit, looking all shady. Yes. <laughs> so she thinks she, you know, gives him the time of day, and uh, Wade believes that the government is building secret underground bunkers to house terrorists on American soil. And I did like how they had the twist in that later. Because so I was like, okay, bunkers, yes. yeah, terrorists in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, people won't like that. That is scary. Uh, but, yeah, the twist is really good. So uh, they claim- What else was fun about that was how they had, you know, they went because she was going to talk about it on the episode. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. she's talking about something else. And she's like, my audience doesn't care about terrorists. And it was so, like, she... It was like she's on the line, you know. On the one hand, she wants the respect to break serious news, but on the other hand, she's completely about the money because mm-hmm. she just wanted the teen pregnancy scare or whatever that her, you know, was a sort of thing her reader, her her watchers would watch and be excited about, not the mm-hmm. bigger picture stuff. So they yeah. had to up the stakes a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely it's obviously something she's at odds with about right like if she was really interested in being a legitimate reporter who was taken seriously by the you know the dc press corps she never would have gotten into this monica hunter hunt for the truth job right that seems very much a ratings grab kind of thing so i think there's you know this push and pull in her character yes she wants legitimacy but not at the price of losing ratings absolutely yeah. And so then they're like, darn it. And they had to try again. And so that was fun when they upped the stakes on everything. And mm-hmm. having having Parker out the window get run over by the car was oh brilliant. Gosh, that so... was hilarious. And they actually hit that stunt woman with a car. Wow. She she really she jumped up a little, but it definitely hit her. And you can tell, like that looked like it yep. hurts. Oh. Yep, it looked yeah. painful. And they even had Parker, like, she was knocked out because when mm-hmm. everybody was standing over her, she, she sort of came to, but not in a fake way. Like, she really was trying to shake off being knocked out. Yeah. And she's like, huh? <laughs> and nobody, it didn't sound like anybody had called 911. They're just kind of standing around her. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Yeah. Um, Here's this woman who may be dead. Let's just stand and look at her. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I did love when they went to uh, steal steal a general. And they, they steal the identity of a man who is not the, even the same color as Nate. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And, and they needed that office. And they knew that they could manipulate him. But I just think it's hilarious. And the, they used these super strong magnets to to steal his ID with that Elliot yep. with that pen around, pencil around so much, which is one of those things that looks ridiculous, but you could actually do uh, according to Apollo Robbins who's there. I wasn't, so, I wasn't so sure about uh, 
you know, when they got the general onto the base, the secure base, but the guy mm-hmm. just looking in and seeing his the stars and bars and letting it yeah. go because you know my husband just retired from 25 years in the Navy, so we've been a Navy family for well our entire marriage, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> know especially now in the post 9-11 era Mm -hmm. things are checked um i mean so it was fun for the purpose of the tv show but he would almost certainly have been stopped especially since his id not only had been reported stolen but was as you say of someone who was not (laughs) caucasian yes so and those guards at the gate have guns yeah, and yeah, no, and Nate is concerned. He's like, I can't play a general. <laughs> and yeah, I think there were several moments of real fright here. You know, uh, Hardison, he's like, I'm a black man caught on an army base with a camera. Like, I'm, I'm going to jail for a long time. I'm like, yeah, that's really scary that you got put in this situation, which, you know, they didn't mean to have him put in that situation. That was that was him having to follow the mark. But I loved in that yeah. interrogation scene where he turned the tables on the uh, lieutenant who was interrogating him. And yes. what about that incident in Germany? <laughs> and the guy's like, oh. And he's like, did I say you could leave? <laughs> oh, and his eye just like uncrosses. Oh, he's good. And meanwhile, she's over on the other side just just acting crazy are you yep. i know about the bunkers they're for the special the people, special people. <laughs> oh, i love that that was my favorite the special people uh, Actually, she's such a great actress that at that point she was looking completely unhinged mm-hmm. and and like she totally believes everything she's saying right uh, yeah because they've you know they've convinced her that there's something has gotten into the water and Oh, they, you know, I love when they, after Parker gets killed and Hardison's in the, the postal worker outfit. She's like, why are you just like a mailman? <laughs> Which um, apparently was a nod to a G.K. Chesterton story. Oh. Uh, mystery where they realized that the, the postman had done it because nobody notices the postman. Right. They're just background noise. Uh, and they, you know, they go to their, they have their deep throat moment where they meet with Nate as Chesler and, and he, he's like, has that barking, yelly voice. Like, I, I guess do, army I generals like, have. Right? I do like how they do that with the references and the call outs. Um, I know that I control the horizontal, there was an mm-hmm. outer limits reference in yes. that I caught. And, um. Project Destiny. That was from the core, right? It was Good Catch, which was uh, written by that. John Rogers. Interesting. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, that was cool. That's what I thought. I thought maybe it was a coincidence, but it seemed appropriate. And oh my God, speaking of Project Destiny, <laughs> when, when, they, when they narrowed the sources down, so she was asking the guy with the stripper about Destiny. About Destiny. Reaction, that was brilliant. That was when so he funny. runs away. Yeah. <laughs> It'll ruin everything. I bought you a car, honey. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Yeah, and I, I loved Hardison's uh, just offense that he's taken because Sophie doesn't believe that he can narrow it down to the sources she's going to go to. Right. He's like, he said, my name is Alec Hardison. I do not guess. Yeah. He's like, I no. look, this is how we're going to do it. Look, I'm responding to her email right now. <laughs> I'll tell you so, what, I would kill for his computer skills because viral marketing for my books would be awesome. <laughs> yes. No, like you wouldn't even have to market it. Just all of a sudden everybody had bought it. They're like, exactly. where did this come from? Oh, I'm going to read this. This is wonderful. The entire world would be giving me good reviews. <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. I would love to have his skills. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And I like they put Elliot cooking in there because the cooking side of Elliot is one I really love. Yes, and that, and you know, they're working it in organically. Like it was kind of a surprise in the wedding job when he, you know, was the cook and he was actually really good at it and cared about it. And but this is, you know, almost background. They're just, they're just cooking. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, 
it's totally off topic, but way back when they break into the, the general's office, first off, did they go back for all those pictures of Nate that they left? Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be a very surprised general. And he's like, who's, who's, this, who's this white dude? Um, and then I just, the whole time, and I don't know if you've ever seen these movies, but... Uh, Parker is totally channeling Sharpay Evans from High School Musical. Like she has this, she's like holding her hands in a certain way, and she's got the blonde hair, and she like turns and like looks at the cameraman. It's like stay here, like very bossy. Uh, I love High School Musical. Oh, I've never seen it. My they daughter, are... my daughter was not interested in it, so it wasn't. <laughs> I was more stuck going to all the Disney movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was probably a little too old for High School Musical, but they're so cheesy and adorable that I love them anyways. I uh, love cheesy fun. I know, right? Um, okay. Do, do, do. I like jumping around in the timeline. So they get her to talk to the right source, stripper. Um, yeah, so... So Nate gets in to the... the army base which is actually a national guard base and they just let them use anything basically they're like yeah come on in film use that's fun base. yeah uh, they have so many nice things to say about portland which is you know they filmed in la in the first season and then they moved up to portland i'm guessing because things were cheaper probably and they're just like they let us flip a car over in the middle of a street and they let us use the ent this entire courthouse and here we are like the, the the national guard base and they're, they're just like they let us do whatever we want it's great that's awesome yeah did you ever watch stargate um yes well that's one of my all-time favorite shows and i love that in the actual cheyenne mountain complex they have a janitor's closet that's labeled Stargate Command. Oh my gosh. That's I know. Awesome. I Oh, that's great. So it looks like if you open that door. You just walk through and General Hammond would be there and oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that's the dream. Now I want to watch Stargate. Oh, that man. needs to be your next podcast and I'll definitely co-host that one. Yes. Oh, and that'll be really long, too. There's a lot of Stargate. And then you get into Atlantis. And... Loved Atlantis. Loved, I never watched Atlantis. Loved it. And I loved SG, SG, SGU. Although a lot of people didn't like it because it was a very different tone. It was dark like Battle, the new Battlestar Galactica, but I loved it. Hmm. I wish it had gone on longer. But yeah. it, did, it did wrap up nicely, unlike some things that are cut off too soon. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I hate when something doesn't get renewed and you're like, but what happened? Yeah. My people yeah so yeah so they've uh nate's gotten them out and it it actually works really well that he's caught you know when the the guy's like did you catch the name of that general and the, he's like that's definitely not general chesler <laughs> and they're chasing him but it works really well because he said you know oh we don't have long and they're gonna come after us and then literally they just do and he's given her the the antidote for whatever has been leaked into the water, which he calls antivirals. Yeah, antivirals, and it is what's the whole name for it? Trimethyl xanthine, which is actually Ooh. the the chemical compound of caffeine. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then at the end, they're like, "These aren't antivirals; they're antipsychotics." <laughs> She's like, "No, they're antiviral." <laughs> So great. So they, you know, uh, Wade has gone back on his own and our Hardison's character has gone back on his own and, and they're going to meet up at his apartment to get the rest of the information so she can go live. Uh, but when they get back to the apartment, it's all cleared out. And then Elliot walks out of the bathroom wearing that like rubber apron and he's got the gloves on. He's like, I'm sorry, I was just cleaning up. And it's so threatening. <laughs> and then Nate's on the other side and he's like, I'm a patriot. And she sprays him with pepper spray, <laughs> which Parker did not switch out with water like she was supposed to do. Oops. And Elliot's just like, it's a good thing Parker switched that out. And then he's like, she did it. She did. And then he starts coughing from the pepper in the air. So good. 
So Monica, yeah, like you said, she shows up at the studio and she's absolutely manic and she demands to be patched into the emergency broadcast system before they come for her. Is that even a thing? Can local stations even patch into the emergency broadcast system? Or I didn't I even no know. Idea. I was like, is that possible? Or does it have to be federal? Or Hmm. I didn't know. But yeah, I mean, it, worked, it worked great for the plot. But it did, the, I mean, because they didn't actually, they're like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> but then she just had to take over that, that broadcast that they were doing. Um, and she like, just like tears that man out of his chair. She's like, get out of here. <laughs> and her assistant immediately brings her over coffee and water. Like this is a normal thing that should be happening. Right, and then she looks at the water, dun dun dun. <laughs> she takes off her jacket so that she doesn't hold the bottle. Our water has been poisoned, and then her assistant spits it out. It's always good to have a spit take in an episode of show. Yep, definitely. Um, and she's like, don't touch it, don't even look at it. So great. And he, you know, and then Hardison makes his Outer Limits reference, and he's like doing the Chirons and like writing all the stuff. And then she opens the file, the red file, and it just says, uh, it has the Shining reference, all work and no play. Oh, I didn't even catch yeah. that. That's right, it is the Shining. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's so good. And she's just like flipping the pages and it's the same thing. And then the police Although show up because- I wonder why she didn't look in the red file before, you would think. To begin with, yeah. You but know- I guess she was too busy being arrested and all. Yeah. Well, you know, then the police show up because the, the army base had called the police after they ran off. Right. And uh, and then, you know, she's on the ground just writhing and screaming. And <laughs> boss is like, Monica Hunter. <laughs> I'm not a Monica freaking Hunter. <laughs> and then the, the producer just like pushes the newscaster over so she can start talking again. He's like, go talk. <laughs> She's like, she's having a breakdown on air. <laughs> so yeah, so BNI, uh, the network retracts their story on Mr. Pennington and, and they have a nice interview with him. And the guy who interviews him at the very end is actually a reporter from the news station because they got to film I saw that was that. an actual news station that they were in. Because again, Portland's like, yeah, sure. You can use our news station. Just you have to be done by three o'clock because we have to, you know, do the news. <laughs> So that yeah, was an actual. Portland must have loved them because usually they're always in the news as being crazy, you know, crazy Portland. And uh, yeah, this was before Portlandia, so yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I don't think we needed Portlandia to tell us that Portland was a little <laughs> out there. No, no, but it's nice that they're pretty chill about leverage. Yeah, um, and then yeah, like you mentioned, we've got Elliot cooking and. <laughs> And Nate has a glass of wine and he smells it. <laughs> and Artisan has a glass of, like a wine glass with orange soda in it. <laughs> and he's like smelling it like it has a bouquet. <laughs> it's like, hmm, excellent vintage. Now, did he actually drink orange soda? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about if that, that, that was um, an Aldous Hodge thing or it's if that was- so just... nasty, orange soda. <laughs> Oh, I like orange soda. Oh, it's so sweet. Oh, I know. man. I like, I love really sweet things. Oh, every uh, time he chugs down some orange soda, I just sort of cringe. <laughs> Maybe it's just like water that they've, because, you know, in, in most places or most shows, if they show you them eating, I don't know, it's not always what it looks like. Yeah, I know it's that something is usually something taste. standing in for something. Although, you know, people do like orange soda, so maybe he likes it. Yeah. These weird things, questions come to my mind sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to we'll tweet out, all this Hodge, did you really like orange soda? <laughs> I'm, that's probably out there somewhere. Uh, I'll, I'll look into that for you. Don't worry. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Inquiring minds. Skills. Yeah. We haven't mentioned the, the great running gag of Parker questioning the conspiracy theories. And, oh, loved that. And Elliot just like giving her a hard time about it. Right. And and you know, Hardison playing along. And she's, area like, 51? No, it was area 52. <laughs> he's like, he's like, no. Or no, he says yes. And Hardison's like, no, she said area 51. And he's like, oh no, 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 sorry. It's area 52. <laughs> and she's like, what? 
Well, my husband flew for the Navy, and so mm-hmm. I've always told him that he, if he ever sees, if he ever saw a UFO, he better tell me. And if I find out later that he saw one and he didn't tell me, our marriage was over. Ooh. <laughs> and he's like, but what if it's confidential? He's like, we gotta have a code word. <laughs> no confirmed alien sightings, honey. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that would that would be a divorceable offense. I no kidding. I concur. <laughs> oh. And then, like we mentioned earlier, we've got the that closing scene of Nate bringing Sophie the glass of wine and telling her she did a good job, but she's still unsatisfied with things. She's you know she realized she's a grifter and she thought she could be someone else. And then that like beautiful speech he gives her, and he's looking at her so earnestly. And and this is one of those moments where you really feel like these are our Starcross lovers. You know, she spent the whole first season thinking, oh, yeah, now I get to be with this guy that I've always had feelings for. But oh, wait, he is a mess. He is right. And, you know, finally, he's on my side. Like, we can both work together and that's on the way. But, oh, he's got this horrible drinking problem and all of this guilt and anger. And now he's a little better but she's not in the right place, which I love. I love yep. that angst. <laughs> it has to be the push-pull. Because mm-hmm. when we everybody can't... gets together and, be hap- and is happy, that's the end of, that's the end. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it kind of, not to be spoilery, people who haven't watched the end of the series yet, but when they kind of do get happily ever after, it is kind of the end for them. Um, I always wanted arc two of the show to be Parker, Elliot, and Hardison picking mm-hmm. up two more people and going on. Yeah. Um, and they, sorry. <laughs> um, they definitely set that up, you know? It would have been great. Although, or even like been... training, because there's several episodes where they have young kids yep. who they kind of mentor to do the things that they're doing and I'm like oh I would even like <laughs> leverage the new generation <laughs> yeah. yeah or they brought some other people who've been in other episodes on the team mm-hmm. I, I really liked that guy who was um like the the equivalent to Elliot that yes they brought in for that one where they had they had Parker's mentor and they were bringing in all of their equivalents mm-hmm. Will Wheaton was on that one yeah that's uh that's in two episodes that's the um the two live crew job. I loved that. I thought yeah. that would be fun if they could bring Will Wheaton on as a regular and bring that guy. Uh, Cause he was funny. I mean, when they were talking about, I'll be your Huckleberry. I was like, <laughs> this guy has a good sense of humor. I, I would, I would watch him. Yeah. He and Christian Kane, that actor, Christian Kane are like childhood best friends. Oh really? That's funny. Yeah. So they're, you know, that, that banter is, you know, kind of carries over from their real life. And he was on, because uh, he, he's already been on an episode because he was on um, the finale last season. Um, he'd been, he was brought, was brought in and he was like beating up on Elliot in the, the first David job. Right. Uh, so we, we, we discussed him and apparently he was let go from, because he was just recently on the, um, the new Lethal Weapon show. Okay. Let go from that for being bad doing something oh bad. wait he was one of the the leads on that right yeah yeah oh he was the mel gibson i never watched that but i saw the thing about you know they recast mm-hmm. so we're like oh that's that sucks yeah yeah so yeah sophie gets the last line in this episode and uh and that's it i love i love this episode i think it's really great I do too. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Sophie running it and, uh, you know, Nate helping, sort of hovering, sort mm-hmm. of <laughs> being proud of her. And I don't know. There were a lot of mixed emotions that he had and he showed them all. And I thought that was a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Yeah. I, like when he shows, like he's like, oh, this is how it starts because she she gets in too deep and she's she's made, taking chances with people that she probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and he understands that because he's on that side a lot and that happens to him because that kind of that power of like pulling the strings can go to your head and having that control. Yeah. I like to see, I like it when they, when they do switch up and other people are doing, 
you know, running the job. Because sometimes, you know, Hardison has to do it because everybody's on the plane and he's the only one who's not there or <laughs> things like that. <laughs> I liked the episode where Parker was injured. So she was um, back yes. left alone and she had to deal with those guys always coming in and they were going to rob the place, but then they weren't going to rob the place. <laughs> that that was so much fun. And, you know, every so often one of them would call and they'd be doing something funny mm-hmm. you know, on their end of things. But it was just a snippet or two. So you didn't really know what was going on. But so Parker was running the whole thing herself because it was only her. Yeah, it was very rear window. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, so good. Um, are you ready for our heist light? Yes. It's so hard to say heist light. Uh <laughs> So I saw this one back in August and I've been kind of sitting on it and waiting uh, and this because this blows my mind. So it's thieves escape by motorboat after Royal Jewels heist in Sweden. Oh my gosh. So uh, in in August in Sweden, they were having uh, a royal event for the public and they had a one of their side chapels, at the the castle, I guess. Um, or the cathedral was open to the public and people were coming in and they had some of the crown jewels um, of, of, of Sweden on mm-hmm. display in, in display cases. And two thieves came in and they busted the cases, took the jewels, which included a, a golden orb and some scepters and, and then just like ran away and oh, jumped, sure. in a, jumped in a boat because the cathedral is really close to this large lake jumped in a motorboat and sped off and did he ever catch them as far as i know like uh, the articles that i've been looking at have not been updated to say that they were found wow and and that just teaches you not to leave your golden orbs lying around exactly and so the lake that they're on that that they escaped onto is a really large lake that has like literally hundreds of islands oh geez so um but then they also point out that uh these these objects are national treasures and they're they're literally priceless and so they're going to be very very difficult to sell and usually when uh, items like this go missing they're found pretty quickly because when you do try to sell them alarm bells go off hey i recognize this unless they already had buyers lined up i mean art theft is one of my personal interests so i read Mm -hmm. a lot about it and my daughter's an artist and uh, art historian, so mm-hmm. it's this stuff is just fascinating for me because there's always collectors who are very happy to spend a fortune on illegally, yeah, appropriated art because yeah. they don't let anybody else see it. That's they true. Keep, keep it in your just house. to look at it know. themselves. Yeah. So it's almost like you'd had to have you would have to have a buyer lined up or you know work really well. Like I already know people in the black market who could pocket for you exactly yeah or i mean you have a crew of eight women and you can steal everything (laughs) (laughs) and just walk out the front door outfit that kate blanchett wore in that movie oh my goodness Uh, we um so great everybody in that movie is perfect and flawless and i love them so much uh we did a very very long very in-depth very gushing episode where we talked about um, Ocean's 8. Uh, my co-host was Corey, who um, is also bisexual and <laughs> was just very into everything in the movie. I don't think you have to be bisexual to be... I think that movie could turn people bisexual. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think they're oh, like... Oh, my when, goodness. When Rihanna walks out of that... out of the van in that dress, I, you, like, hear people gasp. You're like, this is wrong. Right? It's unfair that this woman looks like this. She's not from Earth. <laughs> and she's so talented. Yes. So, I, in like yeah, so many she ways. got more than her fair share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh. that was a great movie. I, what I really want them to do is do an Ocean's 12 where Danny, who clearly is not really dead. Not dead. Comes back and runs a con with her. What if they're running a con against each other? That could be cool, too. I think that would be fun. That could be fun. But I would like it. I think I would like to see the one where they team up. And then they mm. can do one where they go against each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I want a whole new franchise. Because it's two new movies. <laughs> yeah. We'll get an... Okay, so we had Ocean's 8. We'll have Ocean's 9. And that's when Danny comes back from the dead. And then Ocean's 10. Oh, right. That's right. And we'll get... A Star Wars type of numbering 
system. Yeah, we'll get Oceans. Uh, Oceans 10 would be, who would we add on? We could have Rusty come back, have Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he and Rusty are trying to run a con against the girls to prove that they can or something. I don't know. I loved James get in, Corden. Get in touch with too. me. We should turn oh James gosh. Corden so he can be on the crew. Yes. Well, he. I like him as, you know, the reluctant ally on the other side. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I think we've just plotted out their future. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Get in touch. Copyright. <laughs> Alyssa Day, Christina Hicks. Uh, get in touch with us, Hollywood. Sandy. You can come over anytime. We'll talk about this over, over coffee. Well, I wrote a heist book in my first Atlantis series, Warriors of Poseidon. This was Atlantis Unmasked. And the heroine was a cat burglar, but she's also um, an English aristocrat. Ooh. So in her daytime, she writes children's stories, and she's Lady <laughs> Lady Phoebe. Uh-huh. And, uh, and at night, she's a cat burglar, and she... Um, goes in to steal something from the Tower of London, the British Crown Jewels, and that's where she meets him. Because he's stealing something that was originally Atlantean. And and I had so much fun with that book. And at the time, I hadn't been to London yet, so I asked a friend of mine, Michelle, who is British and lives outside of London, I said, go to the town, the Crown... the Tower of London and find mm-hmm. out how I can steal the crown jewels. <laughs> so, she, so she went to the Tower of London and she's asking the guards, like, so my friends would like to wrap this place and steal some of the jewels. How would she do that? <laughs> and she said, you know, I'm lucky I didn't end up in prison. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It well, was great. Well, obviously you got your answer with uh, that episode of Sherlock. BBC Sherlock when Moriarty steals them. Just a diamond with some gum and a fire <laughs> extinguisher and you're good to go. Yeah, having been there now, I think it would be a little more difficult. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know what's crazy is um, you go, have you been to the Tower of London? I have not. Okay, so you go through on this sort of moving walkway that takes you all through this huge display of the jewels and things like, you know, the giant soup tureen that's made of platinum and stardust or whatever mm-hmm. I mean, just kajillions of, of pounds british pounds worth of mm-hmm. jewels and and gold and whatnot and then on the other end there's a little there's one of those little things like you put a coin in and get gumballs except it says <laughs> our ravens because they have these enormous yes, yes with our ravens yeah right it says we have to feed our ravens seventy thousand pounds of blood biscuits a week please donate and it's such bad marketing because you ask for the money before they see you have you know a million bazillion dollars yeah gold and jewels yeah. and what well they're like but yeah we have these but we can't sell them to make money still it's the effect of the thing because you're like it's first true. off those ravens scared the crap out of me because i don't like I birds anyway that. and these oh, are the okay. size of my golden retriever yes no they're my dream i want to go hang out with the ravens no i want to see the crown jewels i just want to go chill with the raven master and the ravens that's so wrong oh my god (laughs) these birds are terrifying and they're not i mean they are not afraid buddy yeah who's boss so they'll just like plop themselves on the on the railing as you're walking across from one Mm -hmm. tower to the next and look at you like yeah bring it lady and i'm like no no it's all yours i'm going the other way you're like i'm and i'm like come here i want to hug you no and you know they feed them blood-soaked biscuits and i'm like i know that it's just looking at me and saying you are just a giant red-haired blood biscuit lady (laughs) oh it was it was terrifying my kids Aww. were making fun of me so bad, and I didn't even care. I'm like, fine, make fun of me all you want. You stand in front of me. Protect me from the raven. Well, have you have you read uh, Deanna Rayburn's uh, Julia Gray series? No. Oh, she has um, her brother. The main character's brother is drunk one night, and it's a set in Victorian England. Um, uh, is drunk one night, and with his friends, they steal a tower raven. And oh, he, he gives it to her, so she has this like illegal tower raven. Because the the like punishment for stealing a tower raven is death. Great, um, probably so death she... being pecked to death by a tower raven. <laughs> Maybe. So when she I has this plotting... tower raven named Grim. <laughs> and he's great. Is. 
Yeah. When I was plotting out my first Atlantis books, um, I was at a writer's retreat with some friends, and mm-hmm. Christine, coincidentally, um, Christine Feehan mm-hmm. kept saying, you need to put carrier ravens. So they carry the <laughs> messages back and forth with carrier ravens. And, and you're like, like, no. No, I'm not doing <laughs> about carrier bats carrier bats would be awesome I'm like shut up yes. christine <laughs> bats that's totally a christine feehan thing though no no <laughs> to the birds <laughs> but bats bats are different than birds bats are also awesome bats are flying rodents i love them no no <laughs> <laughs> so this is not your favorite time of year no <laughs> Although we don't have much bats, bats here in Florida. Mm. No. We do have really. the other kind of rodents and a lot of alligators. <laughs> you do have the other. You have nice sized rats um, and lots of alligators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, will you tell us about the heist book you're writing right now? Oh, I can't. I can't talk about it yet. <laughs> okay. But I promise when I can talk about it, I'll come back and talk. About it. Well, then, okay. Tell me how you write a heist novel, though. Do you already have figured out, like, the end, like, how they got away with it? Or do you work that out as you go? Do you have to go back in and add extra little levels of trickery? I'm a huge plotter. Okay. Um, Plotter, not plotter. (laughs) (laughs) No, I got you. And a lot of this is in my brain, but I also Mm -hmm. like to plot um, handwriting on white, never yellow legal pads. And so I Why never yellow. I hate yellow. Can never be yellow. There were too many <laughs> yellow in all my law offices. Oh, oh, yeah, no, you, this that's also probably triggering for you. There you go. <laughs> and um, I just I always have multiple subplots going on at the same time. So mm-hmm. occasionally I'll have to go back and add something, but more more often than not, I've got all the elements and then it's a matter of weaving them together at the end. But it's a lot of work to do a heist properly because you've got to leave red herrings, mm-hmm. but you've also got to have everything there in plain sight. So yes. that the reader will go back and say, oh, well, of course, it couldn't have been anything else, but they won't come to that resolution until you've actually told them this is what mm-hmm. happened. So they don't figure it out too early, but once they do see what happened, they're like, oh, yeah, of course, she told us all of that. Because when you cheat the reader and don't tell them, you know, don't give them all the clues so they couldn't have figured it out, then Mm -hmm. they're angry because it's not fair. Yeah. No, it's, you want to know. Yeah, you you need to be able to have figured it out, but you don't want to figure it out, you know? Exactly. And it's a tough balancing line sometimes. And that's my favorite thing is not, is, is trusting that that the story is going to reveal that to me in time because sometimes like if I'm reading a mystery or something I'm trying to figure it out as I go but when I read a heist book I'm just like let's go fool <laughs> me freak me out I'm just I'm so excited to see how this happens it's because I love it so much it's more fun that way yeah right well, well thank you so much for inviting yes, me this has been a great deal of fun oh good will you come back again I will okay you pick the episode and we'll figure out what time timing works well. Um, do you want to tell our listeners uh, where they can find you? Oh, sure. On the interwebs? So I'm at alyssaday.com and you can find me on Twitter at, at Alyssa underscore day. And um, if you look at my website, I've got tons of appearances coming up. And I will be happy to send you, Christina the Librarian, not the <laughs> podcast guru, um, an arc of my YA novel next year. I would love that. I'm a young adult librarian, so that would work out really well for me. I know. Awesome. And you're and obviously a person who would enjoy it because you're, you know, a nerd like me. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so for, for listeners who want to get started on your oeuvre of books, where should they start? Well, if you like mysteries, Dead Eye, the first in my Tiger's Eye Mysteries, which is paranormal mysteries about a tiger shapeshifter set yes. in crazy, crazy small town Florida. Yes. Um, Everything is, about this is yes. Right. is a huge lot of fun. And I'll send you one personally. Oh, and you. if you're a paranormal romance reader, start with January in Atlantis. Right. Is that the one with Lady Phoebe? No, that's the one that just came out uh, January of this year. Okay. All right, so I'm going to start that series, too, so I can get to Lady Phoebe. (laughs) Charlie, Charlie, go away. Okay.
Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to be back in two weeks. I'm not sure who will be hosting with me, but we'll be talking about the Top Hat job. Great. So. And be sure and send me a link when it's up so I can uh, spread it out to all my readers. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Thank you. Have a good evening. You. you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.